Hey, Brayden, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well, Dr. Keener. Uh, listen, you know, we're already a handful of episodes in to Mentor Moments, and we just want to take this time to thank our guests and our listeners for continuing to, to tune in and listen to um, us and also the uh, awesome guests that we have uh, every single episode and just continuing to support us. Right on. We couldn't be more happy with the success we've had. And just a reminder, Mentor Moments is a collaboration between the Missouri Rehab Association Eastern Chapter and Maryville University's Rehabilitation Counseling Program. We'd like you to stay tuned for another episode of Mentor Moments. Living and working intentionally really means something to me because I see that it leads to all kinds of benefits. If, if we're intentional about how we work, about how we live, it really leads to our having a clarity in who we are individually. Joining us on Mentor Moments is Steve Wooderson. Steve is the CEO of the Council of State Administrators of Vocational Rehabilitation. Welcome to our next episode of Mentor Moments. We're so happy that you could join us. We're really looking forward to all your wisdom. But to get started, can you just give us a little bit of a short bio of your career, please? Yeah, well, you already put me on the spot by asking for wisdom. So I'm not sure how much I'll be able to offer there, but at least I'll share some some thoughts. So I, it's hard for me to believe, Mike, but uh, January the 5th, this sparked my 41st year in the business. And um, I've, I've really been blessed to uh, be in three major different places uh, with this career, but my first 20 are right there back home in the great state of Missouri. I started as a counselor in January of 81 in Rolla, Missouri. And then after about four years, I moved down the highway to West Plains. My first experience as a supervisor also carried a little bit of a caseload there. But then in 88, I moved back to my hometown, Jefferson City. Missouri and went into central office and then over the, the next uh, 10, 12 years, uh, had a variety of positions in uh, Jeff City. Uh, the last, I think my title was something like coordinator of rehabilitation services or something along, <laughs> something along those lines. So for those, after that 20 years, I hit a benchmark, a couple of different things were going on and I thought, well, you know what? I'm I'm old enough, but I'm young enough. And so if I want to make a change, let's just throw out the police and see what happens. As a young kid, I lived for just a few years in Iowa. And so I thought, well, my brother's still there. Let's see what's up in my other home state. And uh, was blessed to be selected as the chief of the Rehab Services Bureau for Iowa VR in uh, 2000 and after about a year year and a half or so i uh, was fortunate then to be appointed as the the state agency director so it's been a a great 10 years in uh in iowa and then you know mike honestly i i thought i would probably be in iowa until i retired from the profession but uh there seems to be a like a you know a 10 year, 10, 20 year rotation or something in my life. 
And the position that I'm in now with the Council of State Administrators of Vocational Rehabilitation uh, it opened up and I once again applied for that knowing that I just felt like there were some other um, opportunities that I wanted to try and experience and share some knowledge and uh, I've been with CSABR now since uh, since uh, March of two, I have to stop and think, March of 2000 and no, the 11 of 2010. That would be about right. So, um, you know, Mike, I, I usually tell just a little bit of the story about me coming into the business and that I really am an accidental VR counselor. It was not my plan at all to be a VR counselor. My master's degree is in psychometrics. <laughs> so, but you know, a, a door open and frankly, for lack of a better offer, I walked through it. Holy smokes, here I am you know, 41 years later and, and really blessed to have been able to serve in this profession and be, I guess now what I see is kind of a bridge to the uh, future of the program. Yeah, I didn't. I guess I didn't know that about you that your your graduate degrees in psychometrics, uh, you know, rather than rehabilitation counseling. And I I know similar to me when I was looking to become a counselor I, at the University of Buffalo, they had a rehabilitation counseling and a school counseling. And I didn't. I know I didn't want to be a school counselor. So so therefore, rehabilitation is it. So you know. I always tell a lot of students about the, you know, the, the career theory plan happenstance that we can only plan so much. And then these unexpected events kind of happen and then lead us. Yeah, I agree 100%. I don't know if you were anything like me, but I said, you know, I'll take this job until I find something better. And I'm still at it. Yeah. Well, Timmy, yeah, you also alluded to that. There was something about, you know, your 10 years or at each sort of position, or maybe that, I don't know, zest for, hey, let's try the next step. Can you maybe talk a little bit more about, you know, what made you sort of, again, I, you know, going from counselor to supervisor to, again, managing state agencies and then, again, going to Washington? I think there's always a, a yearning to, um, to give back in some way. And I, I want to be sure that doesn't come across as being haughty or, uh, you know, prideful. But it really was, I think, a sense of something that was instilled in me as a kid, that is, as you have the opportunities, um, uh, seek them out. If a door opens, walk through it. Now, there's risk associated with that. And I'll be honest with you, there were other times in these 41 years that I thought a door was opening and it closed. And thank goodness it probably did. I would say that there's an element of good fortune in being able to do what I'm doing today. But really, it was, I think, something that was just instilled in me as a, as a, as a kid by my folks that I seek out opportunity. And um, I've just been really blessed to, um, to see what has happened and where I am today. Yeah, I, I love that as a, as a, again, part of the, the intent of the podcast mentor moments just to seek out those new opportunities sort of stretch yourself and as you said you sort of had this mission value of sort of giving back and you know and so how can you do that at in this position or that position or at the next level yeah and it wasn't really so much mike about um career progression, although it, it obviously has worked out that way for me, because there are other places along the way, and Missouri is a good example, that 
uh, it really wasn't a promotion or career progression, but it was an opportunity to do something different. And it was those uh, experiences that I think all combined together that allowed me to be able to move and do the things that I've done. So, um, and, and those in their own way were the opportunities to give back as well. So um, I think thinking more about how you give back as opposed to whether or not it's a career progression or promotion for me was, was important. And um, fortunately it's worked out as it has for me. Yeah, I, you have a big smile on your face saying that. So yeah, we're, we're appreciative of all the work you, that you are doing. So again, hopefully, you know, most of our listeners are maybe the bi-state area here that, that are probably somewhat familiar with you. You're, you're a strong presence at a lot of our state conferences. Uh, it's been a few years, but you've been to Maryville and, 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 and talked. So I guess, can you tell us something that people might not know about you that also helps you in your job? Well, I, I can't tell you how many would know this, but let me frame it in this way. I've always had a, a part-time job. Maybe that's a good way of saying it. I've always had a part-time job. Well, when I was in Missouri, my part-time job would be on the weekend wearing an Army National Guard soldiers uniform. And um, I spent 20 years in the Missouri Guard, and uh, things are a lot different today than they were then. I honestly could say that it was a weekend job and for the most part, two or three, maybe four weeks out of the summer, not as um, it is today where we have so many deployments for those in the Guard and Reserves. And during that time, though, uh, the 20 years that I was in the Guard in Missouri, I was uh, either serving in command and staff as a military police officer, or I would rotate in and out of the State Military Academy command and staff positions as well, specifically around professional development, obviously, officer candidate school, non-commissioned officer candidate school, and then some specialty schools. And then when I when I went to Iowa, I, I mentioned to you that that 20-year mark was kind of a benchmark, things were happening, Well, one of them was I was able to retire from the guard. And so when I went to Iowa after a year or two, Mike, it was like, I kind of, I don't necessarily miss pulling on boots in the uniform, two or three times a month, but I, I miss that engagement and being able to be a part of something that is a little bigger than, than who I am. So I once again uh, was very fortunate to connect with some of your colleagues at Drake University there in Des Moines and was offered uh, the opportunity to do some adjunct work. And that was pretty consistent for the rest of the time that I was in Des Moines, in addition to teaching of some community college classes, which I wasn't planning to, but kind of stumbled into. And then later in my time that I was in Des Moines, I had a drive ever since I first read the Dale Carnegie book, right? To become a Dale Carnegie trainer. And I'd actually started that process when I was in Missouri. I'd made the move to Iowa had to put that on hold. So I was able then to complete the requirements, become a, a Dale Carnegie trainer and did that as I moved uh, further in my time in Iowa and then was able to continue that actually as I came to Washington DC because we went to a more of a virtual format. So why do I think that's important that you know something about me and to finish your question of how does that really impact the work that I do now? Well. 
it really, Mike, is, is for me, and you know this very well because you do it 24-7, for me to be able to stand up in front of a group of soldiers or an undergrad or graduate course or a bunch of adult, lear adult learners in Dale Carnegie, I have to know what I'm doing. I have to be well prepared. And so for me, it was an opportunity for me to continue my learning. And the teaching and training, coaching and mentoring, that was kind of a byproduct of that. But it, for me personally, allowed me to continue the learning and then to be able to um, really share that, that with others. And then from my real day job, I feel like it improved upon my ability to prepare, to understand, to have a deeper understanding and appreciation for the work that we were doing. Because if I knew what I needed to do to share my knowledge with other people, I felt like that would also apply into my full uh, full time work. Yeah, that's a that's amazing. I, I appreciate you you sharing that. And, and I've you know through the years, you know, a lot of students perspective students come sit in my office and they they say sort of similar things. I've, I've had this sort of calling to help people develop in, in some way, right? Work with them from start A to B. And again, I, I hear that in your, in your story there right. as well. So why do you love working in the field of rehabilitation counseling? What, what is it that, uh, you want to share about it, sort of a few great things that in, in your work. Let me um, let me just take a moment to tell a story or an experience that I had just a few years ago, and I, I think it represents your question uh, uh, quite well. And um, early in my time with CSAVR, one of the great things about my job is um, in my time with CSAVR, I've been to all fifty states, not all. 50 states during the time I'm with the CFR, but it, it, it has resulted in me getting to all 50 states throughout the country. And uh, early in my career with CSAVR, I went to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I was there as, as one of the, and I'm putting air quotes up, suits, if you will, <laughs> to speak to a celebration of uh, those who were acknowledging the work of the U.S. Forest Service and CSAVR's partnership with them and working particularly with youth in transition as they sought out careers and a placement in the Forest Service. And so um, I think there were four or five of us suits, again, that got up and spoke, and at least the others were quite eloquent. I'm not sure about me, but uh, speaking about you know, Forest Service and the great work that they do, which they do, by the way, and some of the work that they're involved with, and then after we were finished, they were recognizing some of those that had come through the program that they had established. And one young man was asked as he came up to be acknowledged if he wanted to take a moment and say anything. And uh, this young man got up and he was in a kind of a crumpled force service <laughs> uniform, you know, kind of, as we said in the army, kind of a duffel bag press, you know, and, uh, he came up to the podium and he, he grabbed it um, by both hands on either side. And, and as he was trying to get his thoughts together, he began to rock back and forth and the podium was rocking back and forth. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm the closest one to him. I may have to catch him or the podium. But he gained his composure and then uh, looked out of the crowd. He took off his glasses and then he buried his head in his hands 
with just enough of uh, clearance to be able to speak into the microphone. And before I share what he said, the VR counselor that had been working with him, her name is Patty Johnson. And she had worked with him through his transition, being involved in the training program. This young man had eventually been hired by the U.S. Forest Service. And all he said, and was the most eloquent speaker of all to include the suits, was very simple. He said, Patty Johnson, you changed my life. And so what do I love about VR? We change lives. And not only the individuals with disabilities that we serve, but those that are employing, they have a greater appreciation and becoming more active and understanding of the disability space, that it adds value to their workforce. We change the lives of families who have been relying on those who have uh, entered into the competitive integrated workplace. And if I can even go a little bit further, Mark, Mike, and say for, from my point of view, as uh, sitting in the chair that I sit now, we change a community. We change a culture. We have an impact on the uh, economics of our country. So what jazzes, jazzes me about the world of VR counseling? Well, we change lives. We, we change environments. Yeah, I got tingles listening to that story. And I, you know, I guess the teacher and me, I'm thinking, oh, I need to teach foundations again so I can just show this clip. Let's let the students listen. This is what, you know, this is the impactful work that they're signing up to do that advocacy, inclusion, diversity, you know, again, working on the business side to, I mean, just, yeah, it's just, I've heard other, you know, counselors say, you know, working with a, with a client, you know, they, that they're so proud their client comes back and tells them, I wrote a check for the first time where I paid my bill, you know, just that again, identity of being full active participant in society. So. You said it very well. Yeah, we change lives. Yeah. Well, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little flexibility here. Okay, give you a, 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 a multiple choice question here. You know, one of the things that, that I often ask you to do when you're, you know, maybe talking to students or when you're doing some of the stuff with our leadership is sort of predict the future. So I know this one's a little bit of curveball. If you want to predict the future, or is there... Again, in, in your travels around the state, something that you want to give a shout out to, uh, you know, a few different uh, organizations or agencies. So you can kind of pick. Well, um, I wish I did have a crystal ball because I think it's pretty fuzzy for a lot of us because of the impact of the pandemic right now. Uh, but what I do think we can be assured is that the, the marketplace has changed and will continue to change. And um, I say this in full transparency, Mike, that that um, we are a, a bureaucratic um, entity. And the future for the public VR program is going to require, in order for us to meet whatever this emerging marketplace will be, to break down some of those bureaucratic challenges in order to be more responsive or uh, continue to be in those areas where we are responsive 
responsive to that changing environment. You know, we, we found that during the pandemic that we can turn our um, deliverables on a dime, to be quite honest, when it comes to uh, virtual um, connections, virtual workplace, virtual um, job experiences, internships, practicums, things up like that. We can do that as we begin to see how the marketplace is going to sustain the future of work. Then we have to continue that nimbleness into the future. And for us to be able to do that, I think we want to acknowledge and celebrate that we can't do it alone. And so the future really will depend upon our ability to leverage and maximize the resources that comes with working with our partners. Now, we've been partnering for years and years. That's not something new. It really is, I think, the, 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 the thin thread that runs through it, Mike, is um, to be able to really tease out and maximize those resources because that's a challenge. It's a challenge for you and your world because you have to have a critical mass to be able to put on a program, right? Well, we need you to have the critical mass to put on a program so that we can hire those that fulfill the need of critical mass in the state agencies. And they need to be able to do that to be able to provide the services and maximize the services uh, to, do, uh, to deliver the services to those who uh, need them in the field. And then finally, to be able to put them in competitive integrated employment. So that, that partnership, leveraging resources, understanding the future of work and how that will begin to be sustainable post-pandemic. The other area I just want to speak to for a moment since you threw the curveball and, and I, I may miss it, but I'm going to try to hit it square on, is the, the element of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think the future of vocational rehabilitation demands that we um, celebrate the diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives that we see around the country. I believe that with the experiences, historical experiences that we in the disability community have experienced, that we are well suited to be leaders and the DEI world because we've been there and done that and we are doing that in many places. And I think as we share our knowledge about how we work with all individuals that come to us, that we will see um, our um, efficiency, effectiveness and outcomes improve. And also I think the perception of the public VR program's ability to deliver on that promise. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't agree more. And I appreciate you, uh indulging in my questions here. So, so as you know, Steve, we're the podcast here, we're also in conjunction or we, we do this in partnership with the Missouri Rehabilitation Association Eastern Chapter, which is a part of the state organization and then obviously part of the National Rehab Association as well. So just any thoughts on why somebody should be part of a professional organization or if you talk to you know, back to the people back in Missouri, why they should be part of the Missouri Rehab Association. Yeah, I'm really glad that you uh, queued that up because I, I don't have much opportunity to, to speak to this. And it, you are the perfect audience to for me to share my thoughts with. I've been an NRA member for all of my 41 years. I had the honor of being the Missouri Rehab Association president for a period of time. 
learning, networking, friendship, inspiration. Um, the Missouri Rehabilitation Association, and I will say specifically the Eastern chapter of MRA are really my most fond memories of my time in the field. And um, I, I hope the whole world hears that. I don't, doesn't this be the Eastern chapter of, of, this, of MRA because I'm sincere about that. After, after a few years of being a VR counselor and then supervisor, my biggest leap into what has, I feel, led me to be able to serve at state and national position was when I was selected as a regional manager for Missouri VR, moved to Jefferson City, but I was assigned to the St. Louis Territory. So this small town kid, Jeff City, Rolla, West Plains, that's where I'd been up to that point. Here I was, I was sent to the city and it's there that I became acquainted with what the St. Louis or Eastern Missouri chapter was doing with their networking, their workshops, socials, community work. It really, it really gave me that sense of professional identity, the lifelong friendships, a couple of them you know very well. And it genuinely uh, magnified my experience as an MRA and NRA member. That's not to minimize any of the work that I've done before that or since that. I'm just saying that for a point in time, that was just the grandest experience that I've had. So the professional organization is that opportunity to expand, to, to um, understand, to learn, and as it's clear it's not all just VR folks that are in MRA. It's those are providers and community members as well. And so beginning to expand my knowledge and experiences. So um, I want to say thank you <laughs> to the Eastern chapter of MRA for giving me that experience and for also giving me that warmth I have when I think back on those days. Yeah, if we're giving props. I have to give um, Kim Chaplin, one of my former students, she reached out to me to, for a time there, the Eastern chapter sort of got a little defunct here in St. Louis. And then she asked me to do a training. Then I met Jay Mendel and Kim G and just the rest is history that I've been now part of it. Like you're saying, I, when you were talking, it made me think of building a fire and the MRA is the kindling that then sparks up the, you know, the rest of your, your passion in your belly and and it just helps uh, carry on business. Yeah, and may I say that for for your listeners, um, you are uh, special, and I and I mean that. Um, yeah, I mentioned I've been all over the country, and uh, when I'm invited to speak, I will first be honest with you. If an NRA chapter asks me to speak, I'm there because that's how important it is. I think for CSAVR and the National Rehabilitation Association to be associated. But I also, as a result of those experiences of coming in and speaking to a state chapter of NRA across the country, I've had some exposure of what they are doing around the country. And Eastern chapter, props. You're doing great stuff. So keep it up and keep that uh, keep that fire burning. Well, we appreciate that. And and uh, I will share that rest, rest of the, with, with the rest of the board as well. So Steve, as we wrap up, 
this is the the moment here. We we want it. We're we're on the edge of our seats. We want to know your mentor moment, your tip. So, so what's that last nugget you have for us? Oh gosh, you keep setting me up. You know, you you have this bar that I'm I'm trying to reach. And um, how about I just share with you who I am and what I do? And sure. I think. And that's and that is I I am on a bit of a of, of a uh, missionary tour, if you will, when it comes to where I think as a profession. Um, I would like to encourage and leverage and influence. And it, it really comes down to this thought, and that is to live and work intentionally. Um, and that is not just a buzz phrase. It really, um, as, I, as I think about our profession and being a seasoned adult, that's the right way to say it, um, you know, I'm also very much in, very much interested in our culture and our world and our communities and all that. But living and working intentionally really means something to me because I see that it leads to all kinds of benefits. If, if we're intentional about how we work, about how we live, it really leads to our having a clarity in who we are individually. And and the decision-making processes that we go through. It leads to having a confidence in who we are and what we are about. I believe, at least for me, it, it, it lends itself to optimism that we aren't resigned to just lay down and let things happen because that's the way they're gonna happen. No, we're gonna be intentional about looking at the world and have the opportunity to make a difference. And, and I believe that comes, Mike, as a result of living and working intentionally causes us to align our behaviors with our core values. And, and then when I think about that translating specifically to the field of, of rehabilitation counseling, I believe that in our work, that drives us to thinking critically. Thinking critically as we guide and counsel individuals and helping them kind of get to that, that root cause, being able to understand, well, if we understand this is what is the cause, then we can develop a plan and a strategy to work through that. Some might call that an individualized plan for employment. I don't know. Would that be novel, right? But it also goes back to why I've always had a part-time job, and that is and that is that it, it that we live then to learn, we live to understand, we live to appreciate, and that lives and that lends itself to us living and working intentionally. So that's that's my missionary cause right now. Mike is living and working intentionally. So Steve, on behalf of the Missouri Rehab Association Eastern Chapter and the Maryville University Rehabilitation Counseling Student Organization. We just want to thank you for being on Mentor Moments, and we wish you all the best. Thank you, Mike. Be well. So if you're listening to this, that means that you're listening to Mentor Moments. 
that means that you're probably listening on either Spotify or Apple Music, or maybe you're listening some other way. Uh, we just want to recommend that you continue to listen. Uh, tune into some of our previous episodes um, and stay tuned. Subscribe to us um, because we'll have plenty more episodes coming your way as well. In addition to the podcast, we have two other ways for you to stay connected with the Missouri Rehabilitation Association Eastern Chapter and Maryville University's Rehabilitation Counseling Program. We are proud to announce the creation of a YouTube channel and a blog. Both the blog and the YouTube channel will have all things related to the Missouri Rehab Association Eastern Chapter and Maryville University's Rehabilitation Counseling Program. Check us out.